OK, welcome back to the Sunday show. Shane Coleman with you until noon today. Now, I'm joined uh, by Fintan O'Toole uh, of the Irish Times just to discuss the huge increase, I suppose, in political organisations, the, I suppose, the more diverse nature of Dáil Éireann and where that's going to bring us in terms of changes in policy, changes potentially uh, in the next government. Uh, Fintan O'Toole, uh, you're very welcome to the show. Thanks, Shane. Um, I was trying to tot up just before you came in the number of political groupings there are. And I mean, I kind of lost touch at or count at nine or ten. I mean, it's incredibly diverse at the moment. Is that a good thing, I suppose, first off? Well, I suppose, you know, if something is fragmenting, you have to ask whether, uh, you know, was the thing that's fragmenting a good thing in the first place? And no, it wasn't. I mean, we've had, you know, over the history of the state, by and large, although with with, with some exceptions, but, you know, it's it's been dominated by, by two indistinguishable centre-right parties with the Labour Party as the sort of extra wheel for Fine Gael. Um, has it got us uh, very far? I mean, has it, I suppose it's provided political stability. If, if stability is your major concern, then you can say absolutely we've had a great system. But of course, stability builds in all the bad habits, all the repetitions of, of doing the same thing and expecting different results, which is the definition of stupidity. Um, so uh, from my point of view, I, I, I would say diversity at the moment uh, is a very good thing, so long as it begins to take some new shape. And, and uh, to be fair, I think we are beginning to see uh, you know, this huge diversity of independence, for example, beginning to cohere around uh, certain groupings. So I, I, I wouldn't be particularly concerned, for example, that we're not going to be able to form a government. I think it's pretty clear that there will be a government. It will mm. probably be formed by Andy Kenny. Uh, and, uh, you know, what will be interesting is what's, what's going on around that and, and whether or not there's a kind of democratic renewal that's possible. Um, a party, and I, I don't in any way put words in your mouth, but a, the party I imagine that would have most appeal to someone coming from your political perspective is the, is the Social Democrats, the this, um this new venture launched uh, last week. Have you been impressed by what you've seen of them to date? This uh, is the, uh, the, the Stephen yeah, Donnelly Rosie yeah, Shore talk Catherine Murphy yeah, venture. Yeah, I, I mean, they I think their launch was was very much just kind of getting it out there. You know, making a statement. So we're here. Uh, we haven't seen, uh, of course, any real detail in terms of policy yet. Um, and you know, some people, including yourself, would be very critical of that. I, I, I don't have a problem with it in in the sense that, of course, when you get to an election. Every political party has to be able to produce detailed, costed policies. You know, that's and and that's that's. I think I think that has to be a given. But I don't think. I mean, what what they were trying to set out, I suppose, was like what kind of society would they would they want to see? I think they did a reasonably good job of you know stating that in very very broad terms. But but it's absolutely reasonable to expect that there has to be an awful lot of detail built in on that. Yeah, I mean, one of the things that they said, and I have to say I, it would be attractive to me, you, you, you might be surprised by that, is the idea of building a Scandinavian uh, model. I mean, I, I, I like the idea of living in a, in a Denmark or a Sweden, uh, but the, the reality of that is, you know, for example, you, you pay a lot more tax and not just in high earners, low earners pay a lot more tax. And in fact, I, I think Donald the Butler was making the point that low earners in Denmark pay something like 14 or 15 times the level of taxation that they do uh, in Ireland. And the other thing I have to say that disappointed me about the Social Democrats was their attitude to water charges. I mean, that, that wouldn't get any traction in, in a Denmark or a Sweden. Well, it certainly wouldn't. But I think the water charges issue, to be fair, is a complicated one, right? Which is which is that the thing has been such an appalling mess 
the entire rationale for a so which you also wouldn't get in Denmark or Sweden is uh, uh, water charges which are no longer related to consumption for example you know so the, the whole thing has become a complete policy because mess. though of the because of the the protests well because of protests, but also the, the protests remember had 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 very legitimate grounds as well because the Irish water was was set up to be this this we talk about fat cats talk about the way in which you know the governments which came in, remember, telling us there were going to be no more quangos, and we set up this kind of super quango mm. uh, with 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 massive salaries, with huge spending on on consultants. I mean, it, it, it is itself an enormous mess. I I agree with you in principle. I think water charges, in principle, and the setting up of a, of a national utility are all fine. But you know, there's a huge suspicion that this is this this is fattening up a. Uh, very large enterprise to be to be sold off and to be privatized with with really bad consequences for people. So, uh, you know, it it isn't it isn't an easy. It's not an issue you can deal with on Twitter. You no. know, yeah. it's, it 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 is a difficult issue. Um, okay, but then to say to stop, I could understand if they said we we're not going to pay. Uh, we don't agree. We're going to suspend the actual imposition of water charges. But Stephen Donnelly went further. He said we're going to we're, we're going to suspend metering. Now, uh, I mean, Finnegan and Labour did that in '97, and the result was we'd something like half a million new houses built with no water meters. That seems to me to be crazy. Yeah, I, I, I absolutely wouldn't wouldn't agree with that. Uh, but, but like, people need certain reassurances. They, they need reassurances that Irish water, as it is currently established, uh, you know, will be will be radically reconfigured so that that it's 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 a much leaner operation. And they need reassurances that it will not be privatized. I mean, what is the problem? I mean, if if if, if it is absolutely certain it's never going to be privatized, what's the problem with with meeting people's demands that that be put into the constitution? Mm. It is actually a constitutional issue in a sense. It's a really fundamental. Although issue. ESB, for example, isn't in the constitution, and there's nobody seriously suggesting that's going to be privatized. Yeah, the but but there are very there are very good reasons to think that Irish water is going to be privatized because a lot of its original material was talking about what happens when it's sold off. You know, they were talking about, for example, harvesting people's. Uh, um, social insurance numbers as 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 a kind of resource which could be passed on to a prospective buyer. I mean, so it isn't it isn't in people's imagination about this. Mm. You know? it, it's it's just an issue which actually you know I, I actually think um, uh, the Green Party, for example, has has come out with actually quite a, a a very good structured set of proposals about trying to do this. What I'd like to see happening with the Irish Water thing is actually that it be taken off the political agenda. I, I really think it's it's a real test for the Irish political system to have a national forum which actually forces people from different perspectives take seriously the protests the protests are serious they're not just loopers you know there are there, there may be no, a small minority there's certainly there, not there, there's, some, there's some real that. stuff going but on but they there. are also being manipulated by certain political groupings I think that's undeniable so, some are but you know the, I, it's, 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 it's overstated the extent to which this is not a genuine social social protest and you know this really should be dealt with there's a, there's a real need for, for, for a national consensus Around okay, how how do you conserve water? How do you preserve a, a national water authority as something which is not going to be privatized? The kind of reassurances that people need, I think, can actually be given, mm. and it 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 could. I don't think it's going to happen, but it could be taken off the political agenda as something which is used just as a kind of uh, sloganeering opportunity for different sides. Okay, let's take Irish water off the agenda for the sake of this conversation. Um, the idea of building a, a, Sc- a Scandinavian model yeah. without being honest with, to people and saying, you know, if you want this, you actually have to pay for it. And we're yeah. not really getting any political parties saying at the moment that, you know, tax rates are either fine as they are or actually they're going to have to increase in certain areas. I, I, I would completely agree with you about this. You know, we, we have to have an adult national conversation about taxation. Right? Let's talk about taxation. <laughs> uh, you know, um, 
even leave aside the new parties, by the way, because this isn't just a question for the new parties. No, no. It's, it's a question that relates really fundamentally to what's happened over over the period since 2008 and to the perspective, the, the, the term of government of the next uh, government, the next five years, and even beyond that, right? Which is which is that we have this complete mismatch between uh, the realities of demand for services on the one side and a tax-cutting agenda, which the current government is already putting into place. I mean, we're already seeing, like, for example, Michael Noonan casually announced that there will be no rise in property tax. That's a tax cut, you know, because that would have would have risen. Anyway, that's that's public uh, resources that are off the table. Now, you may agree with it or you may disagree with it, but, but there's no corresponding sense of what are we going to cut in order to, 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 to make that possible. So we do need this conversation. Uh, and it, it is certainly there for, for, for all of the new parties to make. But there's, there's even, even bigger than that, there are sort of larger philosophical questions. Um, the Scandinavian model, if we want to talk about that. I mean, yes, it was based on, on high taxation. It's also based on superb public services. People get a lot for their money. Why do Scandinavians want to preserve their high taxation? Because they know, actually, that it saves them money. The odd thing about it, just look yesterday at the report on childcare, for example, in Ireland. You know, the second most expensive childcare in the world. Why? Because we refuse to build the services. The whole approach in Ireland, and it is electorally driven, is give people lumps of money. Give them a tax break, give them a lump of money, pull up a welfare payment, buy a fibre, which, which means absolutely nothing to people, instead of the long-term investments of actually building services. If you build services, it's actually cheaper for citizens. Mm. I mean, why do 50% of Irish people in a state which theoretically has free public health care for everybody, why do 50% of people have private health insurance? Because they're afraid of the public system. And therefore, it's costing them a fortune. We actually, we, 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 so we, we spend the money. We actually we tax ourselves in other ways by private health insurance, by, by private childcare costs, and you could go on and on and on with all of these things. Whereas the efficient way to do this is actually to build public services. Now, that does mean turning around, even sometimes to relatively poor people, and saying, you know what, we're not going to give you a token fiver on your welfare payments uh, because it wouldn't really make any difference. What we're going to do is actually build services that would really make a difference for you and your kids. Okay, can that message be sold to the electorate? I mean, that is that is the concern. I mean, I see a lot of political parties at the moment, but I see a lot of political parties telling people what they think they want to hear rather than maybe what they need to hear. I mean, is that, is that going to change? Or can you win an election if you go and say, you know what, I, we're going to increase your taxes, but we're going to give you great public services for that? I think um, if if it's if it's serious, uh, you know, I, I actually think Irish people will respond to a serious kind of vision of what the society could be and what it should be. Uh, but it has to be really serious. It has to be really articulated. It has to be uh, structured around a sense of, OK, in the first year we're going to do this, second year we're going to do this, this is what it's going to cost, this is what you're going to get. I, I mean, it really has to have some sense of a long-term focus. I actually think people are crying out for it. I, I, I think, I, you know, people aren't stupid. They know themselves that all of these bribes that they get at, 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 at election times, yeah, they might feel good for about six months, but the money disappears. Why does it disappear? Because you're still trying to deal with crap services. People know that there's a demographic crisis. They know that we have lots and lots and lots of kids 
um, the education services are going to get worse unless we put more money into them. Why? Because there's going to be more people going into the same system. They know that you know, if, you're, if, if, if your elderly parents are, are, are looking for health care, there's going to be more and more of them. There's mm. more older people. The demands on public services, even if we're doing nothing, are growing. And this is where the dishonesty lies, in fact, which is there's some sense that, OK, we, we cut everything over the last five years and now they're at some kind of optimal level where they're all lean and efficient. They're not lean and efficient in many cases. They are hugely under-resourced. Mm. They're not efficient. They're not producing what, what, what people need. And that costs people money, apart from the social justice issue. You know, when, when you end up having to pay for private health care because you can't get the, pri- the health care that you're paying for in your taxes, that's a really bad deal. And I think if people were actually given a sense of uh, what their lives would be like, just give you one simple example of this. Um, we don't even in Ireland have free primary education. It is astonishing. It's in the 1937 Constitution. It's one of the very few social rights we actually have. The state will provide free primary education. We don't have it. Uh, every year, people are going to be going back to school. You have to pay for books. And, you have to pay for yeah. books. You have to pay for uniforms. You know, there's extra charges for you know extracurricular activities, which are really just part of the curriculum. There's, there's huge costs. I mean, if, if you've got two or three kids, you're facing you know well over maybe two, two thousand a year possibly on this, which is money a lot of people don't have. What would it cost to have free primary education in Ireland? We know what it would cost, actually. It's been costed really, really well. It would cost $100 million a year. It's not a huge amount of money. Now, do you spend $100 million on that, which would actually benefit everybody? Right? This isn't a class issue. It would benefit the middle classes as much as the working classes, but it would disproportionately benefit those who are poorest. It would be a really good thing to do for the long-term future of the country. $100 million. Would you Would you spend $100 million on that? Or would you, for example, as there's huge pressure on at the moment, to uh, cut inheritance taxes? Well, actually, these are choices we have to make. But but I think people need to be presented with these choices oh, in order to have a mature conversation. Absolutely. Them. But you have to assume that, say, for example, and you know, I don't want to single out one party, you have to assume, say, for example, Fine Gael are not stupid, that they know what works with the electorate and what doesn't work with the electorate, and that they have made a decision that says, well, OK, we're going to actually give people more money back. And they are doing that, whether you agree with it or disagree with it, for a logical reason that they think it'll pay uh, now, they would argue they're doing it for economic reasons, but they're also doing it because they think logically they'll get political dividends for that, which suggests that the electorate isn't open to that kind of vision, that uh, you know, the, that very lofty uh, vision that you're putting forward. Well, I, I don't think it's a lofty vision, but, uh, I, you know... I, I don't, I don't a, mean no, lofty no, in a pejorative yeah, No, sure, no, but it, 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 I mean, it's, a, it's obviously a very strong point you're making. But I think what we found in Irish politics, really through the history of the state, is if, if you don't get what you need you end up feeling you need what you get. Do you know what I mean? So, so, so if all that's on offer is a range of different bribes, then of course you're going to go for the best bribes. I mean, and of course in that sense it will work. And, it, you know, they're, they're placing a bet on the fact that nobody else is going to come up with anything much better in terms of a coherent vision. And you can't blame them for that because historically, you know, certainly over the last uh, 10, 15 years, and particularly during the period of the Celtic Tiger, everybody was kind of arguing about how, how much are we going to give you? You know, uh, the Labour Party even was, was, was starting off by saying, we're, we're, we're going to cut taxes. That's, that's our, that's our, that's our the main policy. The basic tax rate of 18%, they contested the 2007 general election. Absolutely, election. absolutely. I mean, so so if, if people are not being given an alternative which is coherent and sensible and, and credible, of course they're going to go knee-jerk for whatever the, 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 the immediate bribe is. And, and I wouldn't blame people. But, but this, is, this is toxic because what it ends up with is that it's, it's a vicious circle. So you won't fund the services, therefore the services are crap. Therefore you say, 
well, why should I pay the taxes for crap services? You know, and you just go round and round in circles. We have to break this at some point in this society or we're going to have enormous crisis because the, the sheer numbers, I mean, our education system could be on the point of collapse in five years if we don't seriously invest in it. Leo Varadkar, you know, who's, who's going to be fighting the election on the, on the grounds of cutting taxes, as Minister of Health is saying, I need an extra billion a year before we even count in all the demographic costs, you know, even just to keep the system going. Mm. But he's not saying, how am I going to get that billion a year? You know, people like Leo really need to be challenged on this. How can you fight an election saying we're going to cut taxes while at the same time you're saying as Minister for Health, I need more money or the system won't work. And politicians really need to be challenged on this kind of stuff all the time. Okay, so when you look out on that very new broad political spectrum, I mean, are there politicians out there who you think can... Uh, I, I was reading the line Maureen uh, O'Dowd in the Irish Times was talking about how Obama jokes about doing a, a, a bulwark, isn't it? The Warren Beatty character who who famously, uh, in, in, in the film of the same name, who famously decided to tell it as it was. He would nothing left to lose. And he started telling people exactly what they needed to hear. Is there a... Is there a bulwark in the Irish political system, do you think? Is there someone along that spectrum you, you see who could do that? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, to, I, I, I do think quite a number of the independents actually have carved out voices for themselves. I think Catherine Murphy, for example, you know, what she's done, the side serve system, uh, or the, the side serve uh, issue people look at that and say, actually, that's somebody who, who's done a lot of work, has been serious. Yeah, that's a kind of... Has a, a, and has a mar- not to discredit. Uh, it's a kind exactly. of... That's a kind of a micro issue. Though, exactly. And, and that's not no, to discredit No, no you're, you're quite right. So, so the need is for people like that to actually then use the authority that they've built up, the, the, the rapport they've built up with the public, the sense that people think, okay, these people have some integrity. Let's listen to them. And I, so I, I completely agree with you. You know, maybe it's not a bulwark thing, but it, but it is uh, a very coherent uh, adult strategy needs to be put forward. You would think that somebody like Stephen Donnelly, who has kind of prided himself on, on, on being responsible in terms of fiscal issues, you know, would, would really want to do that. Um, and there is a real, I think there's a very strong argument to, to be made that we've been trapped in a sense of what's fiscally responsible, which is itself not long-term effective. I mean, it's not fiscally responsible actually to cut services beyond the point at which they're sustainable because what happens then is that the costs involved in those bad services are absolutely enormous for the society but also for the economy. I mean, we, we know, for example, the cost of doubling child poverty, which we've managed to do since 2008. That has enormous fiscal costs. Never mind the sort of social costs. So, they're, 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 you know, it's, it's really up there for somebody to articulate this. And I, I would certainly hope that some of, some of the... The, the, the newer forces that are emerging will, will take it on themselves mm. to do that. The worry is with, say, with the more political groupings and, say, with independents. I mean, you know, you, you hear quotes attributed off the record to independents saying, you know, why would I bother uh, actually making a, a, a position statement? Because all I'm going to do that way is alienate people. Uh, you know, it's far easier in those circumstances to oppose things rather than actually say, what you're for. I mean, is there a real danger the next election could just be a, a, a shouting match between who opposes various measures the most rather than people actually putting forward what they stand for? Absolutely. Uh, you know, if, if, if the different uh, groups don't produce coherent, costed, five-year plans, at the very least, and I mean, preferably you'd like to see them even trying to push it beyond that into, 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 into a 10-year frame, you know, actually talking about what does what would Irish society look like in 10 years' time. If they're not doing that, then then of course it's going to be chaotic, uh, it's going to be pretty meaningless, and there's going to be no attempt to actually present the public with real choices, you know. And, and if you don't have real choices, then your democracy is in, is, in, is in deep trouble. Now, we're not alone in this, but it's not, this is not just an Irish phenomenon. But there, there, there is a deep sense that, that actually the politics that we've known 
in 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 most of Europe, really, uh, you know, in, in since the Second World War, is in trouble because the system is not presenting people with choices that are comprehensible. Uh, but there are also kind of, in, in a sense, moral choices that actually say to people, look, hold on, you know, you can have this kind of society or you can have that kind of society. And, and, and this is what you have to do in order to get the kind of society that, 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 that you might think is worthwhile. Um, you know, but, but I, I'm, I, I, I'm not as pessimistic about the electorate uh, as maybe you are. Uh, uh, you know, uh, I mean, of course, if people are not presented with, with clear arguments, uh, then you know the electorate will just go for whatever the short-term goodies seem mm. to be. But I, I actually get the sense that people are really crying out for for for, for some sense uh, of a conversation that treats the, the, the citizens as adults. Actually, you know, I think people know deep down that that you know because we've been through it after all. I mean, what, what else did we have over? The long Celtic Tiger period, but the sense that you don't have to make any choices. You can you can both you can, have you can both cut taxes and you can have more services. Yeah. We can throw money at everything, and people know now that you can't throw money at everything. The money, the resources you have are incredibly precious, um, but they also know that there's still significant resources in the society. There's enough resources in the society that yeah, we shouldn't have kids who are hungry. We 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 shouldn't have kids living in in in, in consistent poverty. We shouldn't have a hundred year old uh, grandmothers lying on 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 trolleys for forty eight hours in our hospitals. These things are not acceptable. And if they're not acceptable, then we need to start thinking about what kind of resources do you need, and what kind of planning do you need, and what mm. kind of seriousness do you need in order to have a society in which those kind of things don't happen. Last question. I hope you don't mind me asking it. You you almost dipped your toe into the political water before the last general election. I mean. I mean, they were extraordinary times, and yeah. um, would you? Is it something you would consider again in the future? I mean, is I mean, the, I, I'm sure the Social Democrats would, for example. I'm sure they'd love to have you as a candidate if you were willing to uh, throw your hat into the ring. I, 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 I have to ask them about that. I don't know, <laughs> but um, I mean, I, 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 I genuinely have no, I have no plans to do it. what I, what I am intending to do. What I thought, I've thought about this. What, what kind of political contribution could you make? And I will be launching a, a national campaign on child poverty in the autumn. Um, and I hope it will be really serious. It'll be a serious national movement, which will attempt to um, place child poverty as the priority issue for the next government. Uh, and this will be very serious. Um, it will be costed. It, it will talk about what what would you need to do over five years to get us to the point. I'm trying to focus on something which is the, the 1919 Democratic Program. We're talking about the, the, the centenaries. You know, um, that was that. That democratic program is one of the most extraordinary documents of its time. It's even an extraordinary document for now. One of the things it says, it has a short paragraph, which says it will be the first duty of the government of the republic will be to the children to make sure that no child is hungry, no child lacks they shelter. they actually mean children. They unlike, actually mean it's unlike, not unlike the children the 16, of the nation yeah, rhetoric. This is actual children. Yeah. And it's very specific. It's about hunger. It's about shelter. Uh, it's about education. Uh, you know, it's, it's about the welfare of children. And it actually refers to children as citizens, by the way, which is an incredibly radical thing to have said in 1919. Not as future citizens, but as citizens now. Mm. I think we would, you know, we have an opportunity. We would actually feel that we've got something out of the decade of centenaries and out of the period of the next government if we could actually say, you know what, we, we have effectively eliminated long-term consistent child poverty by 2020. It's doable. And what I'm working on with a lot of groups at the moment is actually putting putting flesh on that, what is actually doable. And then, you know, and this is for all the listeners, I mean, this won't happen unless there's a really big public engagement, unless people mm-hmm. actually agree with this. But I think that's an issue which could really animate Irish democracy and make every political party say, OK, yeah, we, we, we agree with this. 
but then you know we know they'll sign up of course in, in the run up to election yeah, they'll sign up of course, to eliminate child poverty is, you know, is, is of course lovely absolutely gorgeous but really timetabled costed actions over five years that's what needs to be done that's okay. what I'd be doing Okay and would you take that to the ultimately if you felt you weren't getting traction I mean would you go to the to, to the point of you know what I'll, I'll stand on this platform is that something you would consider doing? Maybe an absolute desperation if you were getting absolutely nowhere you might yes. have to think about that but uh, you know I, I'd be much more interested actually in trying to put together a kind of a really genuine large scale coalition in Irish society one of the things I'm conscious of around this is that we've actually had a kind of very false division between conservatives and liberals in our society. Of course, it's real in, in, in some regards. But it's one of the terrible things it's done is it's, it's, it's sort of sucked out a lot of the energy around the things we agree about. I think most of the churches, for example, would be happy uh, to be involved in, 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 in something around the welfare of children because a lot of them are doing fantastic work already mm. on the ground. Mm. And... I think we can transcend maybe some of the bitterness that we, you know comes comes back from the the, 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 the same, same sex marriage referendum yeah, yeah. and all of that sort of stuff, and say, look, um, what is actually the human rights issue of our generation? You know, it's actually child poverty. Okay. Child poverty is the thing that distorts uh, the the idea of human equality, of human dignity, more than any other thing in our society. And I genuinely think, maybe I'm naive, but I genuinely think most Irish people would be willing to say, you know what, if I really thought that in 2020 situation of Irish children had been transformed I'd be prepared to pay for that Okay Alright Fascinating stuff um, Best of luck with the campaign Look forward to covering that in, in the autumn Fintan O'Toole Irish Times Thanks indeed for coming into us